Welcome to this convocation, Perspectives of Election 2012. My name is Richard Aguirre. I'm the Director of Public Relations at Goshen College, and I'm a member of the Convocation Committee. Well, as you know, tomorrow is a momentous day. Yes, it's true. Microsoft has announced that the video game Halo 4 will go on sale worldwide. <laughs> And, and for those of us who are old school, Parker Brothers will be celebrating the 77th anniversary of, of its acquisition of the rights to Monopoly. And yes, we'll have a, an election tomorrow. We'll elect our 45th president or re-elect our 48, 44th president. So tomorrow is a great day for those of us who have enjoyed every minute of the presidential election and probably a greater day for those of us who have hated every day of the presidential election and can't wait for it to end. That could describe some of first-year students, first years, raise your hands. Good. Uh, you've just uh, left a class where you studied political identity and political differences, uh, so you might be ready for this to be over. Today we'll hear five distinct perspectives on election day 2012. Hans Weaver, a senior business major from New Holland, Pennsylvania. He's also a member of the uh, Student Senate. He'll talk about key issues in this election. Dr. Rebecca Hernandez is our Associate Dean of Intercultural Development and Educational Partnerships. She's a native of Joliet, Illinois, and daughter of migrant farm workers. Dr. Hernandez has a doctorate from Oregon State University, and she'll talk about why she will be voting. Aradhana Roberts is a junior biology and environmental science major from India. Aradhana also is a member of the Student Senate, and she'll be discussing an international student's perspective on the election. Mark Sloniger is a pastor of North Goshen Mennonite Church. Mark graduated from Goshen College in 1992. He also has a law degree from the University of Cincinnati. He will discuss Election Day Communion an amazing act of faith that he developed. Tomorrow, more than 800 churches throughout this country, including College Mennonite Church, Assembly Mennonite Church in Waterford, will all be participating. And finally, Colton Ney will close today's convocation. Colton is a sophomore Tesla major from Dover, Ohio, and as you know, Ohio is the key swing state in tomorrow's election and may well decide the election outcome. Colton also is a member of the convocation committee. So tomorrow is the 310th day of the year. After tomorrow, there will be 55 days left in the year. But as you're about to hear, for the folks who are speaking to you today, November 6th will mean much more than that. Hans? Can we have... First, I, I just wanted to show everyone, uh, this is obviously um, like we've been reading a very, very, very important election. What we have up here is uh, the conglomerate of a lot of polls. They put all the polls, the national polls, together and make averages essentially on what the percentages are at as the, po the national popular vote or the number of people that will vote for each candidate. And as you can see, it is ridiculously close here towards the end. Uh, right before you see that dip from Obama's popularity, that was right at the first debate. And ever since then, it's essentially been a dead heat. In this election, uh, because of Ohio, obviously Ohio could be the state that will determine the election. 
But even if Obama wins the Electoral College, there is still a very high probability that Mitt Romney will win the popular vote regardless. So this will be a very, very, very interesting election. The last time this happened was with George Bush and Al Gore. So everyone's vote is very, very, very important. I can't emphasize that enough. So thank you for that. And uh, the, the presentation that I'm going to have this morning is about five minutes long, and this is what we gave right before the first debate that we hosted um, right in the large auditorium or the, the lecture hall. And this is essentially the 2012 Presidential Election Guide for Students, uh, issues that are very, very important for the student body and why you may need to vote when you're a student, which, which issues that the candidates are presenting will affect you the most. So first, this is the most interesting one, and the candidates haven't talked about this a lot going into the last month, but the issue of gun control. Uh, something that happened especially in the summertime before school year started is a lot of schools uh, started to consider allowing students to have weapons on campus in order to protect themselves due to a lot of the school shootings and school violence. Now, both candidate has not necessarily chose uh, a definite position on that certain issue, but this is what they've said about gun control in the past. Where Barack Obama is saying that he wants more strengthening on gun control, more laws, more regulations. He wants to see this issue um, taken care of and sees it as very negative, that, that there are a lot of problems happening with it. Um, especially he thinks that there are a lot of loopholes, he said in the past, for people who um, have mental illnesses or children are able to obtain guns. And that's where the restriction of laws need to come into place. And he, of course, opposes uh, concealed weapon carrying, uh, except for retired police officers. And this is a stance that he's given um, throughout the campaign. Uh, Mitt Romney, on the other hand, uh, really strongly agrees with the Second Amendment, your right to carry a gun. He believes that this, this is very, very important, and uh, that the current regulations laws that we need to play, need, that are in place, we need to regulate and enforce more. That's the bottom line. We don't need more regulations. Uh, we just need to figure out how to make these restrictions work so the people that abuse the rights of having a gun uh, aren't able to obtain one. And he's an advocate of the concealed weapon carrying in certain situations. Also, the federal minimum wage, this is something that's different as well. As we graduate from school, some of us um, will be entering the job market. I'm a senior, a lot of other people here are seniors, and we'll be going to get a job soon. And in the early 2008 campaign and through his presidency, Barack Obama has talked about raising the minimum wage to $9.50 an hour. This has not been something that has come up recently, but this is still part of the general plan that Obama outlines. Uh, and Mitt Romney is a strong believer, as many have heard, within the private sector. The private sector uh, will, um, we, we don't need to keep on raising the minimum wage on people in order to improve the standard of living. The private sector takes a lot of that. And the government should not push this wage increase. This should be something that the private sector does on its own. And then, of course, healthcare. Healthcare is one of the largest ones. Now, this is probably the largest issue that will affect us as students. Uh, when we graduate under Obamacare, this plan that has been put out, um, there are a couple of things that will happen. Uh, we will, uh, this is called the, the, just so you know, the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. Obamacare is the media name for it. And um, while a lot of people have been criticizing this plan, a lot of its effects will not be felt until 2014. A lot of these things have not gone into place yet. Regardless, under this plan, as college students, when we graduate, regardless of if we have a job, we will be covered by our parents' health care insurance until the age of 26. Um, and that is something that is new under Obamacare. And uh, also, if you're applying for insurance, 
Obama's pushing for that you will not be denied coverage due to pre-existing conditions such as diabetes and other illnesses. And then, as far as Mitt Romney, um, he does not believe in the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act that Obama has put into place. He feels like that if we release some of the restrictions on the healthcare industry, the private sector will drive down the price due to competition. And that uh, due to competition, students will have a better ability to obtain healthcare. And so this is, once again, the whole government's job versus the private sector's job. And then also the student loan forgiveness. A lot of us will have debt when we graduate from college. Uh, Obama has, has presented something called the Loan Forgiveness Act while he's been in Congress, and that means that uh, the plan is outlined right here. Uh, you make payments of 10% of your income, and that's after taxes, uh, for 10 years on your loans, essentially, and, and um, that's, that's the maximum that you have to pay. So say you make, I don't know, $10,000, $15,000 a year if you're working for a nonprofit, uh, that's the max that you would have to pay the 10%. And then the, you can refinance, and, and after 10 or 20 years of paying your federal loans, they'll just automatically be forgiven. And some people criticize this and say that this could be a problem down the road. You know, how can the government give out this money and then not ask for it back after 20 years? And Mitt Romney wants to privatize a lot of this. He says that the, the private bank industry will take care of this issue of loans. Uh, he says that uh, the percentage rates that we'll have to pay on our loans will decrease due to competition. And so the government should not be providing these loans to students. And then this is the last, last piece of information that I wanted to leave you with. This is the most interesting aspect. Um, uh, uh, a friend of mine, Niles, forwarded this article to me uh, last week. And this is from USA Today. And USA Today is seen as a pretty middle road uh, media publication. And this whole article was on which stocks to invest in post-election, uh, which ones will probably go up and gain in value, which industries will be um, helped due to the certain policies of each candidate. This was not a political article, this was um, simply an investment article. And as you can see with Barack Obama, like I was saying, um, putting um, government more in the place of healthcare and things along that line, uh, you should invest in hospitals. And then home builders as well, he's, giving, he, he's uh, lowering the, the mortgage rates and things along that line in order to increase home building. Infrastructure, alternative energy, he's pushing more for, more for instead of domestic. And then municipal bonds, which is money for more local governments. And then Mitt Romney is, of course, with the private sector stance, you'll want to invest in banks, in defense contractors, military, oil exploration companies, of course, the coal and natural gas industries here at home, and then also luxury retailers as well, due to um, some of his tax policies. Um, benefiting, um, taking away, I guess, the amount of taxes that each citizen has to pay. So I hope all of you, uh, if you have the opportunity, please vote tomorrow. This is a very important election. Both these candidates are very different. And I hope um, that these certain issues, uh, you notice that this is a very important issue with very different perspectives. So thank you. Hi, I was asked to talk to you a little bit about why I vote. Well, there are two reasons that I want to share with you very quickly. One of them is uh, pretty, very personal and really important, is my father. My father, thank you very much. My, fa <laughs> my father, uh, growing up every day, I would remember thinking about my dad and over the years and even today, he, every Sunday, while we were getting ready for church, he would watch the morning news. He would watch the news reports, uh, the political shows, PBS News Hour, the McNeil Lair Hour. Many of you don't even know what that is, but it's a news hour thing. 
uh, 60 Minutes on Sunday night, right before we would go to church, he would be watching 60 Minutes. My mom would be yelling at him, come on, let's go, let's go. And he'd go, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, Mike Wallace is talking about this important issue. And also Meet the Press with Tim Russert. Any of you remember Tim Russert? I actually got to see him uh, to give a commencement speech at Boston College many years ago. And I was so impressed with him. And his, he was a, a political reporter and uh, did the, commentation, the commentator for Meet the Press, which is a TV show at the time in 1990s. And then he died, he died in the last few years. Um, but my father would watch those shows every Sunday morning. And I say watch, meaning... Um, kind of yell at the TV. So my father would be yelling at the TV, and he hated certain people, and he loved certain things, and he would just be engaged in this TV. And I was thinking, what are you doing? And, uh, but I always thought it was very interesting. And so one of the things that I think is so important about that is there are a couple of reasons why I thought it was pretty powerful that my father would be so engaged in the political process. One, my father uh, was a migrant farm worker, as, as I mentioned, or someone mentioned earlier. My father uh, began working in the fields as a young man. Uh, his father, his grandfather, excuse me, his family did that for many generations. My father uh, left school in the third grade. He taught himself to read by reading the newspaper every morning. And so that was part of his growing up. Um, he worked in factories as we grew up older, but he always made a point of saying you have to be part of the process. And he really believed that we should be involved and vote. My father, even today, even though he's in a retirement home, uh, Recently, we were just talking a couple days ago, and he's already done his absentee ballot. He wanted to be sure he got it in on time and got it all done. And he went around and talked to, you know, told his neighbors and was checking on to seeing that they did theirs. Um, he says, I'm not sure where they I didn't talk to the ones that I didn't think would vote my way, so I didn't talk to them, but I talked to the other ones. I was like, okay, Dad. So I asked him, why, why are you so interested in this politics? What got you so interested? My whole life I've seen you do this. And he said when he was a kid, he used to watch his father uh, sit, in front of the, sit in front of the radio. Obviously, in those days, there wasn't TV. And he would watch his father listen uh, to the radio and listen to the political issues. My grandfather, while he was in Texas, um, came from Mexico and didn't have the right to vote. But he really thought it was important that his kids do that. My grandmother actually became a citizen in her uh, late 40s and began the process of voting even then. So for me, this is a family issue. It's an important family tradition that I'm hoping will go down to my own nieces and nephews. And that is an important thing that we take with us. So one of the second reasons for I, would, I vote is this. It's my responsibility. I think as an American citizen, as a person who has the right and the responsibility to live and work in this country and to be part of this process, it's my responsibility to do that. I vote, I serve on juries, I protest, I protest and march. And I do that quite loudly. I love doing that. Um, my vote gives me the right to engage in my community, in my community life, and speak for those who cannot or do not. There are many in this country, as you may or may not know, I'm very much uh, an advocate for immigrant rights, and I speak for those people who can't. But I also do that for those who choose not to. I know many people, and I'm sorry to say that, who don't vote. And I think that's kind of sad. They're like, well, my vote doesn't count, or I don't have time for that, or I don't care. And that is sort of painful to listen to, especially uh, as a minority in this country. I feel like this is an important issue for me, and so I would encourage others to vote. But if they don't vote, I think they can do a lot of other things. Believe it or not, people like to get off juries, and I always think that's interesting. I mean, it's always a hardship, but you do it. It's part of being in a community. Um, I was involved, and in, last thing I'll say is I was involved in a, a political um, march in Portland, Oregon, before I moved here five years ago. It was about the immigration rights. 
And we were getting ready, and there were thousands of people in the streets, and I was next to this family, and I started talking to them, this couple, and they were um, undocumented family members and said, we're marching, but we've already prepared. Our kids are taken care of. We've left them with people. We've left them some food and money. And um, they had uh, a little satchel of food and materials and their own paperwork that they had. And they said, even if we get deported today, we knew that we had a part in this process and that we had a right to march and to share our concerns and our beliefs. And I thought, if these folks who have this kind of risk can do that, I can do my part by voting. So today, your vote is your right, but it's also a responsibility, and I hope that you treat it as such and uh, take part. Thank you. Good morning, my fellow students, staff, and guests. I am Aradhna Roberts. <laughs> Witnessing my first presidential election in the United States has been a great experience, but I cannot vote because I am an international student, as are many others at Goshen College. My ability to participate is limited. However, this election will have a major impact on our native countries and our experiences in the United States as students. I believe voting is an act of empowerment, for one is giving his or her voice to the development of one's nation. Having now received my voters' identification in India, being eligible to vote is a great honor. The act of voting and being part of bringing about change to our communities and nations is the reason why I believe voting is important. The great diversity of religion, culture, languages, and views on leadership experienced in India has made me realize and value the power of a single vote. For that vote can represent me, my village, my language, my religion, and my views about my nation. Therefore, I believe Americans are privileged to be able to vote during this presidential election for the future of your nation. This election is not only important for the people of the United States, but internationally as well. Specifically in India, the Indo-US relationship is important for the economic, political, and social development through the export and import of products, specifically in agriculture and various investments. The proposed civil nuclear deal and national security will be up to discussion as well. The outcome of this election will impact India by either strengthening the established relationships or re-establishing the new relationships. In relation to my current position of being a student in the United States, this election is crucial. It's important for us to understand where each candidate stands on international students, foreign policy, and higher education. This pertains to all, for we are all students and would like greater access to education and jobs both nationally and internationally. Therefore, one should vote by knowing and choosing the candidate who meets our needs and represents our view for the future of the nation. I encourage you, my fellow students, to take this opportunity which is given to you to make the changes for your country, for you never know, maybe one day you may actively join politics in years to come. This is my third year in the United States, and it is interesting to observe the awareness youth have toward this nation and the elections. I've observed that for this election, many students are active, and others are interested, but not sure whom to support. 
This situation is common, but it should not influence or hinder one's actions towards voting. Therefore, I would like to urge you to take action by voting and providing your voice for the future of America and all the countries around the world. I would like to conclude with a quote by Mahatma Gandhi, the only tyrant I accept in this world is the still voice within. This has great meaning to me, and I would like to encourage you to listen and share your voice. Thank you. My name is Mark Sloniger, and I approve the following message. Have you heard that before? <laughs> Let me tell you a story. It's Tuesday evening, November 4th, 2008, election day four years ago. I'm alone. I'm serving as a pastor of Springdale Mennonite Church in Virginia. And, and the church building is dark, except for the light on in the basement kitchen. And I'm there preparing for communion uh, putting the, little, the juice in the little glasses and getting the bread ready. And as I'm doing this, in my mind, I'm repeating the words that I will be saying and others will be saying as we celebrate communion together. This is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the cup of the new covenant in Christ's blood. And as I'm doing this, the phone rings. And so I leave behind my preparation. And I go and answer the phone. And it was Sarah Palin. And her recorded voice tells me that the polls are still open in Virginia. And that there's still time for my voice to be heard. And that McCain, John McCain, still needs me. And let me tell you, as a pastor... I was so thankful to receive that call because I can't think of a better illustration for why I think it's important for Christians to be gathering around for communion on election day. In fact, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Sarah Palin. I mean, Barack and Joe could have called. They had numerous times before. But it was Sarah who chose to pay uh, a company uh, to record her voice and to include our church's number with thousands of others' numbers to call at the same time. And no matter what you think of her politics, I think that gesture was very thoughtful. I appreciated that because it allows me to say both literally and figuratively that the call of partisan politics interrupts our communion with God or tempts us to interrupt our communion with God and with each other. It tempts us to believe that the key to transforming our world lies in the outcome of a presidential election. It tempts us to seek power to accomplish our purposes. It tempts us to give our passions to those of political parties rather than to the passion of Jesus. It tempts us to choose a way that looks very different from the way of the cross, the way of Jesus. It tempts us to forego our identities as children of God and to take on other alternative identities as our primary identity, as Republican or, de or uh, Democrat or Green Party member or, or whatever. 
And that was the reason why we had scheduled this communion service in 2008 to begin with. And that was the reason why we initiated the Election Day communion campaign this year. For the past three months, two friends and I have been promoting the idea of churches gathering for communion on Election Day. And let me tell you, this this whole thing has happened in less than three months. What began as a simple post on a website has now grown into a movement. And, And today, as of this morning, over 800 congregations in all 50 states and Washington, D.C., and Germany, and Canada, and uh, in, in, uh, in the UK, all of them will be gathering for communion on Election Day evening, tomorrow evening. Churches of more than 25 denominations have joined to do this together. I think that's beautiful. Now, I want to be clear that I, what I have to say shouldn't be seen as anything as necessarily contradicting of what already has been said. Because I think it's moving to hear uh, from you, Eridana, as a citizen of India, to speak about the importance of elections in the United States. Just a few years ago, I was living in Mozambique, in Africa, during the second elections ever in that country. And the people of Mozambique were for decades living under the colonial power of Portugal, uh, the oppressive power of Portugal. And then when they got their independence, they were living under the oppressive regime of a Marxist government that didn't allow churches to gather for communion or for worship services or whatever. And then they were oppressed by a 14-year civil war that ravaged the villages and included child soldiers. And I remember well during the second election while we were there of my friends coming back with ink-stained fingers. And this was the proof that they had voted in the election. So I believe that the peaceful transfer of power is something to be very thankful for. Something that they were thankful for. And it is a good thing that we can make our voices heard on important matters of policy. And so what I'm saying is not that the issues at stake in this election are unimportant. What I'm saying is that the issues at stake in this election are way too important to be relegated to our votes alone. Because as Christians, we have to speak more clearly than our votes. Amid the many attack ads and robocalls and fear-mongering, we can quickly forget where God has chosen for the transfer of power. And it's the Lord's Supper, the communion table, that calls us back to remember. As we eat and drink together, we remember that all things fit under the Lordship of Christ. We remember that God has lifted up the hungry, lifted up the humble, filled the hungry with good things, chosen to reveal God's strength and weakness. We remember that the only Christian nation in this world is the church. And this is the holy nation that transcends all human-made walls, boundaries, and borders. And I love it that those who have no vote in this upcoming election will be welcome at the Lord's table on election day evening. As we gather at the table, we remember that the power to redeem, to save, and to transform comes from not atop 
the seat of power, but from within the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we remember that we who believe in Jesus must act in the way of Jesus. And that includes how we act with our neighbors and even our enemies. And I know it seems foolish. Because tomorrow as the world turns its attentions to who will occupy the most powerful seat in the most powerful country in the world, hundreds of churches will gather across the United States to worship a servant. And tomorrow, as votes are counted to elect a president, tens of thousands of Christians will take the bread and the cup to remember a crucified Lord. And tomorrow, as winners are projected, as the electoral map is updated, Christians of many denominations will sing their praises and proclaim their loyalty to Jesus. But if that's foolish, then count us as fools for Christ. For those of you with a vote, Do with it what you think is faithful. But remember that you have been invited to something that is much bigger than transforming a country. In the name of Christ, you have been invited to see a world that has already been transformed by resurrection. And one more thing. If the call of partisan politics interrupts your preparation for communion, it's okay not to answer the phone. Thank you. Hi, um, my name is Colton Nay, and just before I close this up, I want to mention that this Wednesday at 9 o'clock in Humble Center, if you're, for anyone who's interested more in this topic of identity and politics, uh, Carl Shelley will be giving a large group lecture, and uh, I think that'll be a, a great learning experience for anyone interested, so I encourage you to attend that. So, in closing up this eclectic uh, view of, of opinions and, uh, and, and viewpoints, I hope we can all remember to see the selection through its many lenses. There are important issues that matter to each of us, obviously. From everyone we've talked today, there are many, many opinions that matter and many issues that, that are really important to how, depending on how this election comes out. And who, who, who's elected will deeply influence how those important issues are resolved. What this country stands for and how it operates will be altered in potentially different ways after tomorrow's election. Some of us will go out and vote for who we feel will bring the greatest result. Many people, like Iradna, don't have that option though its, its effects will, will affect her in, in many, many ways. Yet, others of us will not vote at all because, frankly, we are underinformed or don't, don't wish to take part. But no matter what happens tomorrow or who gets elected, no matter who votes for who, or the people sitting next to you are Democrat, Republican, or neither, I encourage all of us to stay grounded in our love for one another and our love for the Father. Who we vote for doesn't define us. It just defines a decision. And each of us will make our own decision based on how we see a brighter future. We have different opinions, but we stand united in that future. You've heard it said to love your enemies. But I further encourage us to stop seeing enemies and and start seeing people. Brothers and sisters to each of us. Working towards similar goals in simply different ways.
So I encourage you to go in peace, act in love, decide in confidence, and listen with an open heart and an open mind. You're dismissed.